Philadelphia, coming at you live here on the Bank Statement with the original Paisano, Alex Kalth. What's up, AK? Uh, that's a new nickname. I know it's one that you and I vibe on, the original Paisano. Coin me that. What's up? It's your boy, the original Paisano. OGP. We got a playoff game in four days, man. Four days. That's how quick it's coming? Yeah, it's uh, four days away. Sunday, 1 o'clock, we got the Fox broadcast. We're going with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and the crew. I saw that. Aaron Andrews. Aaron Andrews on the sideline reporting from Tampa Bay. What are your thoughts? Original thoughts on that. Are you happy with that crew? You know what? I I like Aikman. I'm not a huge Joe Buck fan. I love Aaron Andrews. I think she does great work. Uh, I think it's as good as you're going to get for the Fox 1 o'clock afternoon game, yeah. I think the Aikman-Buck uh, crew – uh, there's such a solidified uh, stance of opinion across the city of Philadelphia on them that at this point, it's almost fun to get them. Like we hate them. So let's, but they're going to keep calling games. So let's just keep watching the ones they do. People give Joe Buck a lot of love in this town recently though. Like I've been, hearing, I've been hearing a lot on the radio. Uh, you listen to some of these shows and they're saying Joe Buck's great at his craft. He's underrated, this and that. I heard one caller the other day was talking about, how his dad was even better than he was back oh, in the was. day. Yeah, they love they love All right, so so they're not they're not giving him love, they're just giving him credit, which I will have always Joe Buck calls a great game. It's he's just a fun guy to hate. I could just use some more excitement from Joe Buck. Yeah, I, 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 I mean that's part of the excitement is knowing that you're not gonna get the excitement. He's he's his own novelty. So I, I'm not when I say Philly is Joe Buck haters, it's more like we love to hate. It, we're actually Joe Buck lovers of the hate. So give me your power rankings on the top three network announcers right now. Play-by-play and color guys. Or CBS. I, I don't know if I can do that right now because there's a mix-up right now of retirees. But I actually think, all right, so number one is um, Kevin Harlan. Okay. Always will be. Number two would be Gus Johnson. But I just like Gus Johnson in basketball. You know, March Madness, Gus Johnson was the guy I liked, and he's Fox, I believe, so he's really only doing football, but his highlights are still sick. And then number three, and we're talking nationwide, would be Mike Breen. Bang! So you, so you expanded this. Yeah, I was thinking more so, you know, the Romo, um, Nance, you got, you know, Joe So Buck. you're doing teams? Who are the best teams? No, no, yeah, yeah. The two, the two teams on the three networks from the NFL's perspective. Oh, just NFL. Yeah, I was thinking just All NFL. Right, well, I'm not going to redo it, so now you have to adapt to my answer. I do to have to adapt. Question. So if we're doing that, I'm going to go. Um, I'm a big Al Michaels guy. Chris so, Collinsworth. Well, no, no, okay. I'm going Al. My- if we're just going guy, right? Not teams, and we kind of pivoted. I'm going to go Al Michaels one. Can I give you a fun fact real quick on Al Michaels? It's not a fun fact about him. It's more of a fun fact about me. Sure. I always thought if I ever became like famous, you know, famous people have stage names. Yeah. But a lot of times their stage names are just their middle name or something because it sounds better. I always thought Alex Kalf would be a bad stage name, but my middle name is Michael. So I was like, Alex Michael, that could be good, but... I was like, well, that's already taken because there's Al Michaels. So there's a part of me that thinks that I'm never actually going to hit a pinnacle of celebrity in my life because of Al Michaels. Damn. Yeah. That's a big loss for you. I know. I just wanted to, I, I never said that out loud. So I wanted to put that out there. All right. So you got Al Michaels, number one. And I'm going to go Harlan two and Breen three if we're going all sports. Did but you I, get I like, into yeah. that enough or did you get lost on my picks? No, no, I, I genuinely, those are the guys I really like. I mean, I like, um, who's the guy that does it with uh, Herb Street on on the college game? Reese, Reese Davis. Yeah, I like him. I thought he had a great call on Monday. Um, I think he does a really good job of capturing the moment. He'd be probably number four for me. But see, it's tough. I, I look at these as teams, right? Like, I love, if we're doing teams, that CBS afternoon crew is my favorite team. Like, I love Romo in the afternoons there. You, you also got to think, we all went, we went play-by-play, guys. And you also, like, you have, the question needs to be, who's your favorite guy and in what arena? Like, Gus Johnson is my number two, but in college basketball. Like, I might, like, Jim Nance is up there for me, but the Masters Jim Nance, not football Jim Nance. You know what I'm saying? So you got to pick their area. 
but the Mike Bree bang is a great call. That's that's the great call. I don't really love him outside of the bang, but the bang just. Do you know he's the uh, uh, he's the Knicks play by play guy on a day to day? I did know that actually, which is great for the Knicks. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Biggest market. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty cool for them. Yeah. play guys. You, you don't hear enough just random Knicks uh, bang highlights. Yeah, I mean, you know, it beats our highlights. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound bites coming. Sound bites coming. We'll keep that opinion PG for now. Um, let's get back to the Eagles, man. How are you feeling about this game Sunday? Got reaction right off the bat. Dude, playoff preview, man. This is what the show was built on. The bank statement was built on Eagles, Eagle, Eagles, Eagles playoff previews. That's funny. Um, but we talked about it last week. You know, there might have been some falsification in certain statistics, but the Bucks is who we thought we were going to get. It turned out there was more of a chance to get other teams than the Bucks than I had anticipated a week ago, but we still got them. And I still feel the same way I did. I, I think. There aren't a lot of great teams to face right now, but if there, you know, if there's one I wanted that I feel most confident in, I'm not going to say I feel like we're going to destroy them, but I'm I'm glad we got them. I would like a little bit more, uh, you know, locker room drama to be in the press. You know, AB has gone silent since last week. I thought that was going to be at least a two week story. It was. It's so far not, but. I like where we're at. We know how to play Tom Brady. We already played them twice. You know, playing in the division, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same year. So I, I overall, I feel confident. Yeah, it's interesting with the AB piece. He actually came out today and kind of apologized. He was he was like, me walking off the field probably was unprofessional, which, you know, is interesting. And, you know, Brady's going to have his locker room locked down this week. He's, he's a pro. Um, I kind of want to walk back my opinion from last week, to be honest with you, because watching Matthew Stafford on Sunday – in a great game, by the way, um, I want to face that guy. That that guy is showing all signs of Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford. I understand my my take about the team and just kind of visions of Cooper Cup and Odell running free in our secondary are just in my head. Um, but at the same time, I want to face Matt Stafford. I do feel good. I will say we're in this game. Uh, we're in this game as much as anybody. We're from when our first matchup was with these two teams – they're trending in completely different directions. Think back when the Eagles played the Bucks in week six, Lane Johnson wasn't there. You had Jordan Mailata flipping over to the right side because he had to play for Lane and he was coming off injury. So you had Dillard on the left, Jordan Mailata on the right. Uh, you had Ertz was your only tight end that was of value. Goddard wasn't in on that game. And the running game was non-existent for the Eagles at that point. You had, what, nine total running back carries? And today we're the leading running rushing team in the NFL. So the Eagles are trending in a completely different direction. Then you look at the Bucks. You're out on Godwin. You're out on, um, you know, AB. Obviously, Gronk's a little banged up. It seems like still Fournette's coming back, but he's banged up in that regard too. So there are two teams going in a completely different direction. And even in the sense of Jalen Hurts is 23 years old. It's his first playoff game. He's as old as that guy from uh, that Georgia. My the guy I hate Stetson. Stetson, um, they're the same age. And then you got Tom Brady. He's played more playoff games than he's age. He, this is going to be his 46th playoff game. He's only 44 years old. Um, so, you know, even from that aspect, it's completely different. You got Bruce Arians, who's the largest of NFL vets from that perspective, from a coaching uh, standpoint. And then you got Nick Sirianni uh, leading one of the youngest, if not the youngest coaching staff in football. So there, there's so many ways to contrast this. I will say there's one formula to winning this game. If this doesn't happen, the Eagles have zero chance. If it does happen, I would say we're going to win the game, right? Um, and that's the front four. Has to get bust? What does that mean? You're, you're saying we're either going to win handily or we're going to get dominant. What, do you, what does that mean? I'm saying if the front four gets pressure without blitzing, the Eagles will win the game. If the front four struggles to get pressure and we have to rely on the blitz, which I know a lot of fans love to look at of, why do we play the soft vanilla defense? We should blitz more. There's not a blitz in the league that Tom Brady hasn't seen yet. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you could go, you, you could literally take, you know, resume up to resume and that'll stand forever. Obviously, that's the way it is. You could put anybody's resume ab above anybody's. And the only way that it really is applicable in the NFL is when you talk Patriots, because that resume actually resonates with game outcomes. Yeah. But 
I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be. I kind of anticipate high scoring. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think Godwin is a bigger loss than people here are talking about. And maybe they are, but I know they're talking about that in Tampa. AB is the third best receiver on that team, but he might be the best receiver in football if you actually put him up pound for pound. So I just like the circumstances. And I'm not thinking long-term of what we're going to do in terms of the playoffs. Like, hey, if we win this game, what does that mean, you know, for the future? Actually, I have that question because there's been nothing more confusing to me. You can call me an idiot if I am, than the playoff bracket. But if we win this game, who do we play next? Bad knowledge out of you. Recedes, we would play Green Bay and Lambeau. And you and I would be hopping on that plane to the frozen tundra. And we'd be going to see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, probably light up the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. But that would be a bucket list game for me. So I think we would have to do that. But even if it didn't recede, we're the lowest. So we would play. But it does. But the playoffs do recede. They do. Okay. They do. Um, see, here's my issue with that take of yours, though, because if it is a high-scoring game, and think about think about the college football championship here on Monday. You know when you knew George was in that game? Who did you have in that? What's that? Who did you have? I had Bama hard. I thought Bama was going to go in and roll. But my point is that exact thing, right? If you get to the end of that first quarter, Bama's not up 21 to three. And I was like, Georgia's in this thing. They, they settled in. They, they knew they were fighting Goliath in some ways. And then all of a sudden you had this quarterback crawl back from the dead. The defense kept him in it all game. And he made a play when it mattered. What a throw. So how does that equate to your take on the Eagles game? That's the formula here, right? If it's a high-scoring game, that you probably means we're not running the ball all that much. Um, it probably means that Jalen Hurts is going to have to come in and make some really big throws. But that doesn't make sense because the you're saying Georgia was the underdog. It was a yep. low-scoring game, but then Georgia won. So that's what I'm saying. Oh, so what you're telling me is if it's a high-scoring game, that's a disadvantage to us. I don't feel good. Yeah, we're not beating Tom Brady in a shootout. If Tom Brady's having one of these games where he starts he did out in the Super Bowl, 16, yeah, we're not that team. We're not that guy right now, pal. It's a different squad, man. There's no Nikki franchise on this team. Okay. I thought we were still that guy. No, we're not that guy. <laughs> oh, we lost a little bit. All right, all right, all right. I mean, look, you got to think about it this way: you have a squad here coming in with a quarterback who still has a lot of questions about his decision making in terms of his vision on the field. You have a quarterback who, in all likelihood, will have his way with our defense unless those front four guys can get after the quarterback without any blitz. So that's the formula for winning. It's it, You got to keep the score lower, in my opinion. I don't want to get in a spot where Jalen Hurts has to find Devontae Smith in the fourth. Like, I don't want to do that. Not right now. So, I want to go win the game. We got to keep, keep Tom off the field. So what's your parlay then if you're betting the line and the over-under? Right now, the Eagles, I got them. They're plus nine and a half, and the over-under is 46. What do you do? Nine and a half. Nine and a half is a lot. I mean, that's that's disrespectful. Quite well, you frankly. think the Eagles are going to win, so you're obviously going to take Eagles nine and a half. Um, I am going to take Eagles nine and a half. And but I that's where I'm more curious about 46 points. Over-under pretty low. I mean, think about that. Think about those odds for a second. I mean, what kind of game are they saying? They're saying the Eagles are going to lose by 10 points and they're not going to total 46 points in the game. So what are we losing here? Like 30 to three. Is that what we're thinking? Um, I mean, there's a million potential yeah. scores within that scope. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. They're all pretty low. <laughs> um, I would say Eagles and the over. But I don't all think right, that's, but that's what I was baiting you into. I'm like, well, the, don't tell me we, we favor you're so that means to me, when you say that, that means you actually expect the Eagles just to not lose by 10. You're not betting on the Eagles at that point. So if you bet on the Eagles to win, you're not betting the over based off everything that you just said. Not necessarily at 27, 24 is still an Eagles victory and it's the over. And that's not a crazy shootout score. It's a All right. game. So let's sit on that. What's your, what's your final score prediction right now? What is it? Uh, I would, I'm going to say, 27 24 Eagles. All right. Wow. Steamer. That's a steamer. Right? The game's a three point game, in my opinion, one way or another. And if it's not, it's not pretty for us. 
in that scope, can I just say one thing that I really hope happens? And I've actually, my nerves of this used to be skyrocketed. Like this was a big Doug P thing that got me nervous every time. And it was a big first half of the season, Doug uh, or Nick Sirianni thing is always just going for it on fourth, like playing that analytics game where if you're within 45 yards to the end zone, you just go for it on fourth. And the fourth down is what, less than like five yards. And I hate that. And I just want to highlight, if your final score is a three-point win, we need to take merit into the fact that we got a kicker that we should be gassing all day, every day. Jake Elliott is so good, dude. And I wish we were a team that highlighted him and we actually have been, but I wish like, like he was celebrated more because I'm all about fourth and one on the 20 kick the ball, like get the points because they're guaranteed points. Not a lot of teams have the guaranteed points the way that we do. And we should put more merit into that. I get so angry on these go for it on fourth down calls. And he's a kicker. So I don't, I mean, just pump the brakes a little bit. But, Put him in the Hall of Fame. Like, he's our MVP. Like he's But not, not, not many organizations in their history have an Acres. And Acres is one of the greatest ever to do it. We have another Acres in a short amount of span. Like, that doesn't happen. you got to value three points in this league. Sure. I mean, look, it's he's the kicker. Like, to me, kicker, go out there, do your job, man. You got one job, kick the field goal. Woohoo, rub them on the rub them on the helmet, say good job, Skippy. Oh man. Move on. Did you ever hear that? Have you ever heard the Larry David take on kickers? His bit yeah. on I'm sure I'll agree with it based on how you would. You would totally agree with it. I'm I'm gonna send it to you after this. You, and if you're listening, you should look this up. It's basically him saying it's the only position in sports that requires zero physical skills that the sport of football needs but yet they determine the outcome of games. He's like, why do we have people tackling each other, throwing the ball, hitting, catching, doing all of these things that the game of football athletically needs. But then at the end of the day, it comes down to a person who can't do any of those things. I'm in agreement. I mean, Hey man, get rid of the extra point. Why do we have the extra point? Put the seven points on the board. And if a team wants to go for two, make them take that point off the board. Why leave it up to a kicker? Imagine a world where we're in Lambeau, we go all the way down the field in the divisional round of the playoffs to tie the game. Hertz puts us in the end zone and Jake Elliott misses it because it's five degrees and the ball goes to the right. Like that should never happen. I get the field goal. The field goal is a relevant part of the game. And look, I, I, here's the thing. Field goals in the NFL don't win games. They just don't. So your take is valid in some respects. In other ways, it's not. Like you mean they don't win games? Field goals have probably won more games than anything else in the history of football. That's not what I'm saying. The foundational way to win a football game, you got to score touchdowns. If you're, if our defense, the whole concept of bend don't break, which is what every defense plays nowadays, it's get a, let them move up and down between the twenties and make them kick a field goal. Because if you do that, if they kick four field goals in a game, they're only scoring 12 points and you're not going to win that way, right? So if you if you knew, if you had the ability to see the future and you knew how many kicks in a row, like let's take not even Jake Elliott, who honestly is the man, but let's take Justin Tucker. Let's say you were the prophet. You knew exactly what Justin Tucker was going to be able to provide uh, for his career. And the year he got drafted, where what round would you pick Justin Tucker in if you knew what he was going to provide before him? What a crazy question. Um, Where would you pick him in? Because you just told me kickers mean nothing and they don't win football games. So what round would you pick him in? The thing is, I don't know that I need Justin Tucker. Like, oh, it goes, it, God, dude. No, it's it, it's a real thing, right? It's like, where would you pick Jonathan Taylor? Everybody's going to be like, oh, top 10. Like, no, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't. I would never pick a running back in the first round of the NFL, in the top 20 picks of the NFL draft. And in reality, it's very rare that I would pick one in the first round in, in general. I don't think I would pick a kicker before round three. If he was Justin Tucker and he's there round three, I'd take him. All right. Sure. You're taking Justin Tucker round three, but you're taking J.J. Arcega-Whiteside round one. I never took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Oh, God. But boy did. Saying, though, you would agree with that pick in the moment on draft night. Uh, no, positionally, I don't value the kicker enough. Like, yeah, sure, if you have a stunad kicking field goals, and he's going out there shanking extra points and you can't rely on him to kick a 30-yarder. Yeah, sure, that's a bum. You can't have a bum. 
but you also don't need Justin Tucker, the best. And you were you had the ability to see the future, and you said third round. That's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. It's not because it's where I value the position. I would rather look at a, a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver. I'd rather look at a position that's a premium position in the sport and say, let me impact the game that way because I can find a Jake Elliott. I don't even know if Jake Elliott got drafted. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he did. Kickers are, are an anomaly. I, you had the ability to see the future in this scenario. That's what I'm saying. I, I would never do that either. With the way you're saying, I would never take a kicker above the third round just in general because uh, the last guy that got picked high was Aguayo at a Florida State, and turns out he sucks. So, yeah, you can't take that chance. There hasn't been enough sample sizes. I'm telling you, people, I gave you the ability to see the future. And you yeah, still said you, I'm telling you, I see the future. And you could give me a superstar at a number of positions in this league that I probably would never take a first round pick on. The only position I feel that I, I can I understand your stance because there are positions that are I agree with the running back thing because the the shelf life of just a running back being top tier is very short. Running backs can have long careers and even then that's tough, but the shelf life of being top tier is very short. Like I think about how good Le'Veon Bell was and how quick the only other position I feel that way is cornerback, where you could have the best cornerback in the league that put up the best stats ever, and two years later who, you know, it's, it, these are tough positions to just remain at the top at, unlike a quarterback, but still, if I had the, you know, if I had the ability to see the future on a corner, a running back and a kicker, knowing what those three positions did to my team, like the two seasons I'd get out of a running back, the three I'd get out of a corner and the 12 I'd get out of a kicker, you, I'm taking the kicker number one overall. But here's the difference. I mean, first of all, the shelf life on a kicker is extremely limited as well. It's a, there are a dime a dozen of the ones that last. The second thing is a running back is so reliant on the guys in front of them, it's not even funny. And it's been proven time and time again, you don't need a premium running back in this league to win championships. But the thing with the cornerback, and here's where I'll disagree with you a little bit, because I understand the the aspect of boom or bust that some of these guys have. I know you and I have talked about Revis and – you know, yeah, you name all the best ones that, that you can. Everybody who's a football fan knows the best ones, but they also know that, you know, Revis, Sherman, Gilmore, like the, the you know, Ramsey, uh, who's the dude, Norman, like all these guys win defensive player of the year because they give you that season that's like, oh my God, we locked down every top receiver in the league this year. But that doesn't last more than two years, it just never does. Yeah, but I mean, there are also guys like, I mean, look, Namdi Asamoah, before he came to the Eagles, and I understand he was a system guy. He Same. started. Same he deal, was, though. He had a couple of years. He had five years of being the guy. You have Darius Slay, who's been doing it for, I don't know, what's he been doing it for, eight-plus years at this point. You have um, Jalen Ramsey, who's been doing it for a while now. You have guys like Asante Samuel who are solid for a while. You have Marcus Peters, who was doing it at a high level for a while. And so, yeah, there are those boom or bust guys at that position. Um, I think, I think that's a valid take to have. I do think I would rather take five to seven plus years of a great cornerback play just because how premium a position that is. I mean, it's, it's arguably the most important position on the field outside of the offensive line. It yeah, this season has been my my reset on how valuable drafting an O lineman is. It's the least sexy pick in the draft because nobody ever does, you know, knows what you you, you kind of hear about this O lineman that was picked in the top ten like that day. But I've I've learned from this season and from our O line like how much I love those picks. I mean, even Darrell Revis, man, like he started every game from 2007 to 2012 for the Jets, or to 2011. 2012 looks like he's hurt. Like, I mean, th those years, those years you can't replace. Like, that is that is so much more valuable. And to compare that to a kicker or a running back, it's it's a bad argument, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just, they're just not kickers. So, I don't know. Let's get back to this game on Sunday. So, you, I got the Eagles winning the game. Some of that's homer. It's one of those where my head's I mean, you me can't not. You can't not. You can't yeah, not. The, you can't sit here and say the Eagles are going to lose. We don't feel that way. The, yeah, I mean, the my head tells me Eagles lose. My heart tells me Eagles win. I'm going my heart on this one. Um, what's your take on the game? Uh, I've told you time and time again, I feel good. I do think it's going to be a good game, and I told you I think it's going to be a shootout. So I don't know. I, I mean, a lot of that really comes with limited uh, evidence to back those types of things up. I just 
you know, I don't know. I like how we stand up against them. I think, I think the biggest misnomer is that they have a great run stop defense and we have a great run offense, but I think we have athletes and I think we have people that have the minds of how to play against this type of team. Um, I, um, it, it, I guess if you're green Bay right now, if they don't play, if we lose this game, green Bay doesn't play Tampa. Cause you said they recede, correct? Uh, yes. So I believe, well, they might play Tampa. It depends on, Oh no, cause Tampa's a two seed. So no, they would recede. Um, Tampa wouldn't have to play them until the NFC championship game. Okay. So then that means that Green Bay is going to play the 49ers here, the sixth seed, the Cardinals, or the Rams. Or the Cowboys. No, they wouldn't play the Cowboys because the Cowboys are the three seed. And the only way the Cowboys would be the worst seed is if Tampa lost, which would make us the worst seed. So we play Green Bay. So I can't play the Cowboys. So the worst team they could play is the Rams. And then the Bucs will play the Cowboys. So if you're Green Bay right now, I know teams don't play two weeks ahead. Who who do you game plan against? Or who do you weight your game plan against if it's a 100% scale, you know, between Eagles, Niners, Cardinals, Rams? If you're the, if you're the Packers, excuse me. I mean, you don't, want to, you don't want to play the Rams. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. From there, I think you don't, I think you don't want to play the Cardinals next, Niners, Eagles. I think, it, I think it's pretty clear cut the way the rankings stacked up this year. I fear, the, I fear the Cardinals more than I fear the Rams. Yeah, maybe not in Lambeau. I mean, you got a running quarterback primarily in Kyler. I think he probably struggles in the in the cold um, versus an experienced guy like, you know, Stafford's played up there t- every year of his career so far. He knows what that's like. Yeah. So I that also could be a confidence point to Rogers, just knowing like I own this man. Let, let me ask you something real quick about the Eagles before we kind of pivot over here to our uh, our other trust the process sixer squad over here um was tory towards tory smith a good signing for the eagles uh yes was alshon jeffrey a good signing for the eagles yes was nick Foles a good signing for the eagles for sure was chris long a good signing for the eagles yeah no doubt what about patrick robinson um yes <laughs> what about Legarrette blunt yeah what about carson Wentz? Uh, yeah. All right. I was going to sign up as a draft pick. What about, all right, draft pick. What about, uh, let's keep going with the draft picks. What about Jordan Mailata? Yeah. You're out of the Super Sanders. Yeah. Draft pick. What about Dallas Goddard? Draft pick. pick. So you're on draft picks now. Yes. Good draft picks. Okay. At this point, Jalen Hurts, was he a good draft pick for the Eagles? I would say he's not a bad draft pick. Here's why I would say he was a good draft pick, and then I'll make my point where I'm going with this. I would say Jalen Hurts is a very solid draft pick for the Eagles, even in hindsight at the time. And I think a lot of fans looked at it as like, why the hell? Well, we don't need to specify. I, I, yeah, I didn't say he was bad. I, I want to know the bigger point. I, I don't need the Jalen Hurts points. Here, but here's the bigger point, and it goes along with the Jalen Hurts thing. Everybody's looking at this saying, why would we not build around Carson Wentz? Why would we not build around Carson Wentz? It's a general manager's job to know and to forecast where a team's going to project out and where they're going to be at the end of the year. And everybody looks at Howie and he blames him for this Wentz debacle. Think about it, man. Carson Wentz had never start, had never made it through the first quarter of a playoff game because he got hurt every single year before that. He was coming off of, well, after that, he played the worst season in of any quarterback in the NFL. Maybe how he knew a little something. Maybe he knew we, we needed a guy to be a backup at the bare minimum with Jalen Hurts and how premium that was for this team. My point is we look at this Jalen Rager and we obsess over J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and what if we had D.K. Metcalf and what if we had Justin Jefferson and all you fans that want to sit there and cry and moan and bitch about why the Minnesota Vikings are a better front office than the Eagles. Hey, where are the Vikings today? They're uh, sitting at home. At Do you home. want their general manager? We're going to cry about one guy? Howie Roseman has been totally disrespected in this town. We have two championships since 1980 in the city of Philadelphia, and one of them is a Super Bowl. And this guy gets no respect. You listen to the radio, they're like, yeah, he had a good year, but he's cleaning up his mess. What if he was a new guy that was cleaning up Howie's mess and maybe he gets some respect? 
great. He cleaned up Chip Kelly's mess. We won a Super Bowl two years later. The guy that cut Deshaun Jackson and traded LaShawn McCoy. What are we talking about? I don't know. Look, I get the guy's not perfect. I understand the uh, frustration with him at times. I get that he thinks that he's smarter than he is and he outsmarts himself. But he does do all, he made all those picks and he went and got Darius Slay. He built this team. He built this O-line from the ground up in a way that has us in the playoffs. And I think he just gets a complete disrespect. I don't know how else to put it. And it drives me absolutely nuts. I want to, I want to give you, I want to give you your credit here. I think this is a moment to uh, validate you as someone who, this isn't a first take. If anybody is listening right now, this is not a first take by Dave. Dave has been advocating for Howie for a very long time. And he has brought up points that to his point that he just made, people select not to bring up. You know, it, it, it's not a naivety. We're an educated fan base. So we have a selective memory on what we remember about a guy like Howie. And yes, what we choose to remember is DK Metcalf. What we choose to remember is Justin Jefferson. So Dave, I'm going to give you your credit. You make a very good point. And I, I do think the topic for is he the best guy for the job? is a debatable topic because of the points you raise. And I'm, I am not in a position to, to disagree with you. The reason I'm not in a position to agree with you is because this is something that makes the Eagles very similar to the Sixers. And it's something that makes being a fan a very fun thing is we sit here playing fantasy sports all day, which is just throwing players from team to team. Well, you know what? We have the luxury of rooting for fan bases and teams where Ownership and general management care on a level that we do. And what comes with that? That means there's heavy activity. And when you have heavy activity, you cannot hit all the time. You're happy with a baseball player when they go three for 10 from the plate. A GM doesn't have that luxury. When really, if you go three for 10 from the plate as a GM, a lot of times that can win you a championship. And it did in the Eagles case. And so, Dave, I'm going to give you your credit here because Howie has made bad moves. Howie has made more good moves than bad. The reason that the bad are highlighted is A, because yes, they are bad. B, because Howie is active. And when you're active, that puts eyes on things. We're, it, we should be lucky that we're not one of those teams that kind of sits back and does nothing except bad calls, uh, you know, i.e. the Miami Dolphins. But man, we're so much better. As a fan base, we got to be better. Like, you're so much better than a what have you done for me. Watch, watch, watch what you say when you say that, though, because that has become one of my least favorite phrases as a fan base. You sound like you play for the Sixers now. Yeah, but that's not what I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't boo our players. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying, like, where is the respect for literally since I was born on this earth? All anybody's ever told me is all we want is an Eagle Super Bowl. All we want is an Eagle Super Bowl. All we want is a Super Bowl championship. If you win a championship in this town, you'll never buy a drink again. You'll never need to buy a hamburger again. Like you win, you're immortalized. And this dude literally picked up one of the biggest messes I've ever seen with Chip Kelly and turned it around into a Super Bowl to the point where he even accounted for the backup quarterback coming in to lead the way. I just think there's disrespect. And look, we can talk about questioning the future, and I do think it's debatable. That's not my point here. I'm not saying the guy's perfect. There's a fine line, though, between let's debate who the best guy for the job is and what is straight-up disrespectful to the man that brought us a championship here. We laud Sam Hinkie in this town. Trust the process. Sam Hinkie, he's the man. And you and I both agree Sam Hinkie did a lot of good. All Sam Hinkie brought us was losses. So what do we want to be? This underdog city that I, 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 you you bring up. This is my thing, Dave. You bring up good points. You advocate the good points. Then you reach a level of passion that advocates your good points with bad points. You talk. You can't start trashing Hinky in the trash of your Howie probe argument. Hinky. I love Sam. Ruining Hinky. your Howie argument now. I'm not. I love Sam Hinky. My point with Sam Hinky is how do we sit there and worship this guy? We worship him because the because ownership did him dirty. Everything that comes him dirty. Since him as a product of him. No, but the city is doing Harry Roseman dirty. Come back, dial it back. Say apologize to Hinky and go back to where you were. I'm not apologizing to Hinky. I'm just saying if we have all this love for that guy, how do we have no love for the guy that actually brought us a championship? 
If you took a poll right now of all Philadelphia fans, Howie Roseman's approval rating would be like 20%. And that's after he made the playoffs this year. Uh, you know what is interesting? And it's something I don't want. I don't need your take on this. I want I want the listeners to kind of anyone who's in Philly. If you actually did walk into a poll tomorrow that said, who do you want running your team more? And you only had two answers, Sam Hankey or Howie Roseman. I think you're totally right. Sam Hankey would win that 80-20. And it's funny because it, it I mean, I don't know if that's more telling of Hinky or, or less telling of, of Roseman, but you're right. I just think you, you've, you've, you've reached into a realm of argument that's irrelevant. Your, your realm should stay within the NFL and what other teams have done because Hinky didn't get to see through his project. Yeah, that's like, that's like he, he, he started rebuilding a house, and then before he was able to actually put anything inside the house, they told him, now we're going to kick, we're, we're, we're going to give this house to somebody else. Howie had his whole project, so I agree, but you can't, th- those are incomparable subjects. Let's talk about Hinky's house that, uh, that now other contractors have come in and it's got a leaky roof here. Um, and it seems like we don't have enough funds. No, don't, do, don't, don't do that. Uh, don't, don't, don't turn this into a Hinky shit session because in Hinky, we believe, and if you, you should believe that too. I do. I meant the Sixers as a whole is kind of what I'm pivoting to because it's not his house anymore. Hinky sold it. Uh, he was forced out of it, unfortunately. They took it from him. They foreclosed on it. They dragged him out of there, kicking and screaming. Would they bring in big collars? They brought in they, big collars after that? They brought in big collar Colangelo. Oh, man. Lapels and size. Burner, Burner Colange. Burner account Colangelo. That bum. How about the NBA coming in and slighting Hanky with that? Anyway, uh, there's a lot of Sixers news out there. You want to break it down for the people what's been happening in the past? I mean, days? Sixers are on a high, man. We're on a six-game winning streak. We got the uh, Charlotte Hornets here in about nine minutes, which we're going to be locked and loaded into. But Embiid is back on a level that is even beyond the level he was on last year. I think all six games he's had 30-plus. Again, you know, I could be quoted wrong on this. This is where the two of us need a fact checker, and one day we will have one. But I'm going to speak with confidence regardless. So I, I, I like where we're at. I, I hate these stupid rumors now, from, according to Windhorse, that the Sixers are trying to package Tobias in. Obvious, like, it, it, that whole thing makes me mad, and I'm, I'm going to touch on that pretty quickly because, obviously, if there's a trade out there where we want a superstar – it would be silly for Maury to not say, hey, we'll give you Tobias if you do blank, 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 blank. But the fact that just a normal trade offer expands, turns into rumors that we're chopping is very frustrating. And I think Tobias is a smart enough guy. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's got his problems on the court, but everything about him that's great is off the court. He's smart enough to know that that's not, you know, we're not out here shopping for him. I just hate that the rumors now are, hey, we're trying to include Tobias. If there's a trade out there where we can include Tobias, that benefits us exponentially so long as the return is what we would expect it to be. Yes, his contract's gone. Tobias is not helping us win games. That's a great thing. But for Windhorse to get on TV and make it sound like and make all these headlines sound like we're out here now on a, on a mission to get rid of Tobias in addition to Ben is just frustrating because it's, it's fake news in a sense, and it's carried on for 48 hours. So it's annoying to listen to because Tobias is a smart guy. He should know, like if the deal's there, he's gone. It it is what it is. And Bede said this in an interview a while back. He said, I, you know, this is what it is. If the Sixers traded me tomorrow, but they got something better in return, this is part of what the business is. So I, I don't like that. They're making something out of nothing when it's very obvious that if a team were willing to take on Tobias and Ben and give us a good return, we would totally take advantage of that. That does not mean in any way, shape or form, our mission is to get rid of Tobias in addition to Ben. No, I agree. I actually, uh, you know, what's interesting about Embiid's stat lines uh, the last couple of games, he has 31 on the dot the last four games in a row. So we'll see if that trend continues here tonight. I wonder what his over under is um, heading into that, that game here, but um, I, I tend to agree with you. I heard it on um, Tyron Johnson was actually talking about this the other day and his take on it is uh, Rich Paul and Ben Simmons camp is a little bit uh, scared right now. They know and they can see that the Sixers players are unfazed by everything that's happening and they're pretty much throwing okay. up their hands and, and, and basically saying like, let me, let me get Tobias on my side here. Like, Hey, Tobias, you see, they want to trade you. Who reported um, it? What's it? Champs? It was a, no, it wasn't Shams. It was Windhorst and somebody else. Um, 
there's one yeah. guy worse than Shams, it's Winhorse. I think it. I think if they could, yeah. I, I your your hate on Shams is unwarranted. I think it's unfounded. Honestly, I never really hated on Windhorse just because I know he gets a. You know, I, I I always felt kind of bad for him, but it's it's. I, I don't know how you feel bad for. Him. I know you you're live? never gonna do good, Windhorse, but the start the the when you start doing bad, that's when I turn on you. My, <laughs> I, I mean, dude, he's the guy that has the job we would all love in this world simply because he was right place, right time, and decided to write a story about LeBron James. Um, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't really know if I have a lot of respect for that, but it is what it is. But he did send headlines across multiple media platforms for 48 hours off of a silly sentence that he said. So he made my, my thing right now. My thing right now is so interesting, though, is the, the Woj stuff that came out today. I mean, you look at it. He was saying basically uh, Sabonis, John Collins, Harrison Barnes could all be had for Ben Simmons and the Sixers have no interest. It doesn't move the needle for them. So, you know, my take on that is one very interesting. It seems like the quality of players gone up a little bit, but the wrong position. I mean, if you can't get rid of Tobias Harris, it doesn't no good. So like, what's the point? Um, I, I, you know, I see that. I, and the other thing I've seen lately is that James Harden is the guy we're eyeing up in the off season. So, you know, I don't know my take on that either. He's a declining star in this league and a guy that admittedly doesn't really work all that hard. So yeah. what's, you know, is that kind of Allen Iverson where he falls off a cliff younger than he should? I don't know. Ooh, how old, I, I, how old was Iverson when he went to Denver? Uh, Denver is when I would say he fell off a cliff and it wasn't even because he was, you know, washed. It was because he could have stayed on the cliff for another three years if he just stayed with us. And Kobe had another eight years of dominating <laughs> when Iverson looked like he was 80 years old. I, yeah, but I think that I don't, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Oh, six, oh, seven. He went there. And when did he, I mean, when, how long was he in the elite in the league? Uh, looks like his last year was 2010. No, I meant when did, was he a rookie? Uh, 1996. All right. So 96. He, so he played 20 years in Philly. He Before played from '96 to 2005. That's 10. total, total. Oh five, oh six, yeah. When did he go to Denver? It's ten years. He went to Denver in 07, 06, 07. Okay, all right. That's different than what I thought, but I mean, it's a 15 year career. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, his, you know, he really fell off there at the end when he was with Memphis and Detroit and all of that. I mean, he fell off the day he left the Sixers, you know. I'm just saying, didn't Kobe win? He was on the cover of NBA 2K in 2010. Yeah, but Kobe, but Iverson left on a strategic play to be a two-man all-star squad on a team that just didn't build around the two of that. It, it just didn't work. Kobe, you can't it, – it, this is a whole different thing. This isn't a knock on Allen Iverson. What I'm saying is you compare him to Kobe because they're in the same draft class. Kobe's winning championships and is on the cover of 2K in 2010, and Iverson's out of basketball. Yeah, if Iverson stayed on the Sixers, that would have been different. I'm just telling you, he's playing in Turkey in 2010, 2011 versus the cover of 2K. Like, he he had an extra five years of his career at a minimum that he cut short, probably because he didn't value that thing we like to call practice and didn't like the the weights because they were too heavy and all that stuff. So my question, my point in bringing that up is, is James the guy? Is that is he going to be falling off a cliff similarly to Iverson? Leaves a team that he really found a lot of success with. We know he likes to go to the club and have some fun off the court. Nothing wrong with it, but is he going to be a type of guy that is you know he's just not James Harden anymore? So I'll stay in that vein because I think that's a, a refreshing topic. It's just to think about another player in the future and not to just think about trade scenarios because I'm getting tired of all of that. We've been doing that too long. Of well, this is the new rumor. Here's the trade. Um, if the question is just simply straight up and down, should we go for Harden in the offseason? My answer is yes. I agree with you. But, but I agree with you because I don't really know what the alternative is. Yeah, but even, you know, there are, I, I, I can't think of many alternatives that are as appealing as that, you know. I'm not a realistic for sure. So, yes. Or James Harden. Um, flip a coin. That's I how I'm. Right all there. 
Yeah, you take Bradley Beal because of age, but James Harden's a better basketball player, dude. And if if Embiid's window is the next two to three years, that's the same window of, of Harden. You know, it, it, like if we're in win now mode, we're not building. And even if you're building and you pick Beal, like it just doesn't align. So actually, when I speak that out loud, Brad Beal or James Harden, I go James Harden. If the yeah. question is now or within the next offseason, I have the pick of those two. Yeah, James Harden, no doubt. James Harden has two MVPs, dude. James Harden is sick. He's a guy that, it, you know, can get overweight when he doesn't feel like working hard. And, and he's a guy that can also dominate the entire court when he's on it. So if, if he comes to a situation and he chooses not to work hard, the problem is not him. And I, yes, I would take him. Yeah, I would. I would, too. I, um, I just think they're in such a tough spot. The one thing I will say is I love... I'm a little more optimistic than I was last week because I kind of took a step back and kind of thought about what the future could hold and kind of what some of these options are. And, and there are there's light at the end of the tunnel outside of this year. I will say, though, the thing that's really awesome is you look at the way that this squad is just basically saying we don't care about this Ben Simmons thing. We're going to genuinely play with who's here. And you're looking at guys like Charlie Brown playing some meaningful minutes on this basketball team. Um, you're looking at Joel Embiid, to your point, he's playing. By, he's doing things he never did last year. It's so cool. I mean, he's a he's turned into a pretty decent offensive facilitator, which was never a huge strength of his game. Um, Seth Curry, he's automatic. He's actually shooting a, a worse percentage from three. I saw. Um, I was comparing his stats from this year to last year, um, slightly, but he's also taking more shots. But if he takes one step inside that arc, if he's foul line extended, you're seeing this pick and roll game with him and Bead. It's money every time. Yeah. Um, it's really cool to see. I mean, Maxie's not even on the court really right now. Hopefully, he comes back soon. Um, they're going to be a fun team in the playoffs, no doubt. It's, you know, I, I just, it's a shame to me. And I'm starting to see more rumblings that maybe Ben Simmons rejoins this team in a couple weeks. I don't see it. If we, if we, get, to the, if we get past the trade, de trade deadline, like, what's he going to do? And even then, like, my mind's not there. I, we're, on, we're on this winning streak. Like, let's enjoy this. Let's enjoy what we're getting out of it. The schedule's been easy for us, so... You know, that is what it is. I'll take that all day. I always love, we, we never lose big or, or win big against good teams anyway. So they're always going to be entertaining, but like Hornets, Celtics, Heat, Wizards, Magic, Clippers. Like, we, you know, let's enjoy it. Ben Simmons has screwed us enough to not even, I, I don't want to put my mind around what we're going to look like if he does choose to play. And I don't think it's worth it. Like, let's just enjoy it. I agree. Honestly, I think it might mess with things more. I mean, he's not mentally strong enough to come play. And, and I don't think it's because of any mental illness or anything that he claimed. And I think it's one of, the, one of the more tragic things about what he's claimed, in my opinion, isn't even what he's done to the Sixers. It's the damage you do when you make false claims about things like your mental health. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's ready to play. All of a sudden the new, it's the new, uh, the new Shams report is that we haven't been finding him. So he's just been sitting there getting paid. Is that real? I, I I don't know. I've been known to reproduce a fake poster or uh, yeah. in my day. I'll verify that. I, I just, dude, there's so many people out there with mental health issues that are so real. And to see this guy just try to play everybody so he can get paid, it's quite frankly disgusting. And I think he's playing himself into mental health. I don't think he's, I don't think he's lying about mental health. I think he believes it. I think he's just playing himself because... I He's a dude who thought he was mentally strong enough to be a professional athlete in the NBA and is slowly finding out that he's not, which at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I have full confidence he's not going to go win a championship somewhere else as a key player. I mean, quite frankly, I disagree, man. He, his whole story was, hey, I'm not mentally ready to come back and play for this team. And now all of a sudden the report that comes out today is with two to three weeks of tough conditioning, I'm ready to go. Like, He's trying to bully the Sixers into trading him, which whatever. If you want to take that route, take that route, man. You're not the first player in the world to do that. You, I might think you're soft. I might think there's so many things wrong with it, but like whatever it is, what it is. You just don't use things that are actually a serious debilitator for other people to, to try to get what you want. I like mean, that to me is wrong. Yeah. I I don't want to, I don't want to have hot takes that are too hot, but. You know, Look, if there's actually something wrong, I think mental health to him is not a. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to tell me he can sit there and pass up a wide open layup in the playoffs or never make a free throw, like, and mental health has nothing to do with that, then if, if there's actually it's, it's, real, it's real for him. 
if there's actually something wrong, all right, all power to them. That's not my take. My take is how that's the issue, there? though, Dave. That's the issue. Is it's it's not that he's claiming something that's false and taking advantage of it. It's he's using that something real and then taking advantage of it. He's not taking it seriously. There is clearly met, there, there's clearly something upstairs that is that has prevented him in the past from performing and is now preventing him today from joining a team and honoring the contract that he signed. So there is totally something when it comes to the topic of mental health that's involved there. The issue is not whether he's he's playing that card or not. The issue is whether he's taking advantage of that or not, which is a different topic. Could be. You could be right on that. I just have a hard time when you're telling me you're not ready to play for one team, but you're ready to play for somebody else. I mean, but, but right mental now. health issues and, and, and the core of it was caused by the city that you live in and the, and the people that you don't, you've developed this extreme disdain towards. That kind yeah. of is the solution. Think about Thank if you have a terrible job and that terrible job now weighs into your life. You stopped working out. You've stopped eating healthy. You're starting to gain weight because you have bad habits. And all day when it comes back to what's wrong with you, it's you're unhappy at your job. Well, couldn't a job change change that if that's if yeah. that's the problem? Could. I, I would argue in this instance, I don't, I don't understand, man. I mean, you have a city that's completely had your back the whole way through. So where's the hate coming from? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I'm with you on that till the end of time. But yeah, I, I think we both know at this point, if we put our self in his shoes that's the you know that's not where the brain power is at and to ask him to come to that conclusion is kind of counterproductive yeah i maybe i think i think we just need to find a way to get him out of here yeah. but hey congrats on your engagement bro <laughs> that's that's yeah. exciting times for him yeah yeah i guess i guess that's been going well but quite yeah. frankly this is this might be a hot take in philadelphia quite frankly I think it would be really interesting for him to go somewhere and actually succeed and actually start shooting and actually do all the things. The one thing I know will happen is, you know, it it happens all the time in Philly where people just kind of turtle up because they don't like it here and then they go thrive somewhere else. The one thing I will guarantee about him is for the rest of his career, he will have some unforeseen injury when it's time to play back in Philly. That dude to get on a court in Philly and perform and like, Oh my God, there's no chance. He has no chance. There are certain people that are built on the hate, like a Trey young who loves when people boo him. But like if Ben Simmons ever was on another team and that team played in Philly, let alone, Oh, I would thrive for a pro- playoff series. Like we would literally like you, I, I would bet the house on Philly because there is one man who is not mentally tough enough to come back into our house and own what he's owned and beat us. He will, he will, he will have some injury we've never heard of, and he will not play in Philly ever again. It's true. Well, it's been fun, man. Um, last chance to change your Eagles take. You still got the birds on Sunday? Birds on Sunday, high scoring game. We win. I don't know what the I'm I'm not playing spread, so I just say we win high scoring game. We're going birds on Sunday too. Either way, we got a playoff game down in Tampa Bay that we can all enjoy. Um, go Eagles, go Sixers tonight. Um, nice big game on deck to keep that streak alive. So it's been fun as always and uh, looking forward to next week. Thanks statement out. Love you guys.